administration. Why is the Biden administration building a border wall in Arizona? So um, we are not uh, we're not finishing the wall. Uh, we are cleaning up the mess the prior administration uh, left behind in their in their failed attempt uh, to build a wall. And I just want to be very, very clear here on be very clear. Uh, be very clear. Turn the money. Uh, the eight billion dollars the prior administration took from our military, we gave that back uh, to the military for military families, for schools, for bases. This is That's a joke. What that money was being used. That's what it was taken right. away from. Okay. And so, again, what we're doing is cleaning up the mess. We're cleaning up the mess. The Talking point number one. But President Biden, when he was a candidate, said there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration. Yeah. So what changed? We are not finishing the wall. Ah, OK. If not, not, not finishing walls the wall. work in that part of Arizona, is this the administration trying to this get is psychotic. migrants to cross somewhere else, like in Texas? What What is the plan? We are not finishing a wall. That's the we third time. cleaning up the mess. That's the that's third the time for that, too. Made. Not finishing the wall, to save cleaning lives. up the mess. This is, what is, this is what the prior administration left behind that we are now cleaning up. Fourth time. By finishing the wall, is this... He's, we are not he's, finishing the wall. By filling in, finishing. We are not finishing. By filling in. Mm. Uh, so she's got such a nice is smile. This, is this racist? Ooh. Because in what? 2019, the former guy what? proposing a wall, you said uh, that it was his racist wall. So how is this any different? I'm just having a hard time understanding how this is any different. I'm not, we're not sure we're not, how you get to your first question, to this question that you just asked me. I will say this. We're not a border wall. wall I'm, I'm, I'm answering your question. No, a border wall is ineffective use of taxpayer dollars. Ineffective? So it's ineffective of taxpayer dollars. Dollars that actually... Oh, it's ineffective of taxpayer dollars, but not ineffective. Interesting. Prior president we're going to play this again and just from the military, skip to a couple of things. Which took away from schools, which took away from military bases. That's so that, and that we're that giving to Ukraine now, but set that aside. From, uh, to build uh, this wall that he wanted that is ineffective, by the way, which I just said. Uh, it's just so ineffective, they're finishing it. It's so ineffective that just... We're going to go back to the intro to this, people. Before I do, let me know that my audio is good. Audio should be good. Listen to this. Why is the Biden administration building a border wall in Arizona? So um, we so, are not. Uh, by the way, when I said it before, this is just the best example of modern memory. So let me get my lie straight. I've asked you a question. Why are you do? Why are you? Building a wall. Why is the Biden administration building a border wall in Arizona? Finishing or not, they're building something. So let me get my lie straight while I try to divert the question and say, why are you building a wall was the question. Because they are finishing or not, cleaning up a mess or not, effective use of taxpayer dollars or not. You are finishing something or completing something or adding to something. So however you want to qualify it, pathological liar, you're building something. You're not not building something. You are putting something there that is not currently there. That's building. Why are you building the wall? So, so, um, so I'm a liar. Not, uh, we're, not, um, we're not finishing, finishing the, the wall. wall. We're also uh, not going to the moon. So uh, we're not going to the moon. Uh, and cleaning up the mess. Cleaning up a mess. The administration uh, left behind in their in their failed attempt. In their failed uh, attempt. to build a wall. And <laughs> it's such a it's a failed attempt, by the way. Because they went after the people who were funding the build the wall, even though it was private donations. 
They went after the policy by calling it a racist policy. It's a failed attempt because we sabotaged it. And now we're cleaning up the mess, building a portion of a hole in the wall, although it doesn't work. Walls don't work. Border walls are ineffective. That's why we're building a portion of it. It's, it's, it's enraging. It's almost as enraging as listening to the judge in the Alex Jones trial, but we'll get there. And I just want to be very, very clear I want here. To be very clear. One. So I want to be clear. I was going to give a finger. Lies, lies. One, uh, we returned the money, uh, the $8 billion the prior administration took from our military. We gave that back. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. And how much money have your administration given to a foreign conflict? Good or not? Righteous or not, uh, how much money has your administration, a uh, Madam Press Secretary, given to Ukraine? Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. Building a border wall for national interests, that's ineffective use of taxpayer dollars. Let's go ship it to a foreign war so we can fight a proxy war with Russia. Uh, to the military, for military families, for school. Okay, I, I can't listen to that garbage anymore. Um, absolute garbage delusional, pathological. They're not just treating people like they're idiots. They're treating people like they enjoy being abused and lied to. They're like, they, it is, at one point I said, it's like they're spitting in your face and calling it rain. They've taken it to the next level. Now they are dumping on your face and calling it chocolate pudding. I mean, it's, sorry, that was, I went one notch too far. I'm sorry, that was, that was too much. They are, they are slapping you and they're telling you that it's not happening. They're lying it to your face in real time in a, in a manner that if that were a court of law, uh, a, you know, a normal judge would say, not responsive, pathological liar. I, I mean, I, I saw that because Brandon Strzok shared the clip. It, it's like once you know the, I mean, you don't even need to have any sort of insight into the human condition. Why are you building the wall? So um, we're not finishing the wall. Thank you. Didn't ask you that question. Thank you for answering a question that nobody asked. You're like, you're like little Lisa Simpson. The answer to the question nobody asked. How about you just answer the question? Oh, so there's that. So there's that. They're not, by the way, guys, guys, in case you're idiots, they're not finishing the wall. They're cleaning up the mess that the former administration left. Because walls don't work, that's why they're building a portion of a wall. Uh, they're ineffective uses of taxpayer dollars, which is why they're building or filling in a portion. But they're not finishing it. They're just cleaning up a mess. Okay, there you go. Are you all happy? You're all satisfied with that response? Biden administration, they're not hypocrites. They're not using the cages now that Biden built under Obama or that Obama built with Biden. Uh, they're not filling in a wall which is racist and a waste of taxpayer dollars. Um, and you should be satisfied with that answer to the question because she's just answering the question. Corn pop, I peed. Did anyone miss me? Nope, I'm banned. You're not banned. Uh, we're going to get into Alex Jones uh, later on because I'll tell you something. The, the only thing that uh, raises the blood temperature more than listening to press secretary, um, I, I forget her name. I forget her name. Jean-Pierre. The only thing that's more enraging than listening to Jean-Pierre's press secretary talk is listening to the judge in Alex Jones. I, I couldn't take notes fast enough to uh, to write down. 
we'll get to, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, we've got three major subjects, and you know, we'll probably touch on other stuff in the meantime. But first things first. I know that I missed a super chat before we even got started, which was to the effect of. Let me open up the thing. It's from Tim Jacobs. It says, if Alex Jones can be sued for defamation and IIED, intentional infliction of emotional distress, for suggesting that no one died at Sandy Hook, then anyone suggesting that no one has died from COVID vac- uh, from the COVID vaccine may also be sued. Thoughts? Um, let me make sure I don't close the window. Okay, we'll get to it. Remind me. Anyone denying that JFK didn't die the way he did or didn't die? Anyone denying that Elvis Presley is still alive can be sued by the Presley estate for intentional infliction of emotional distress. People who have whatever whacked out theories that they want to have out there and say them publicly uh, can get sued for emotional distress. If you, if you, by the, it's, it's, it's the dangerous example because in fact it is illegal in certain jurisdictions. Deny certain historical atrocities. You can get sued for intentional infliction of emotional distress. Deny JFK. I don't see how denying the moon landing could lead anybody to intentional infliction of emotional distress, but it's conceivable. Deny that Al, de, deny that um, Elvis Presley died, that he's still alive, that he didn't actually die, and that he's somewhere in, I don't know, Argentina with Adolf Hitler. Hypothetically, nowhere near the same level of, 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 of situation as with Sandy Hook. Hypothetically, when this precedent gets set and the slippery slope, the slippery slope begins to steepen or get muddier, that's, that's, we're not far from there. Claim that people were injured or passed away from a certain Fauci juice. If, if people say that that's not true and you are spreading disinformation that is hurting the victims of people who died from the Rona, intentional infliction of emotional stress, bankrupt you, bankrupt you. We'll get there. We've got Guy Reffitt. The January 6th, uh, one of the January 6th defendants who has now, I think, received the harshest sentence of any of the Jan 6 defendants. This is the guy who showed up with a firearm. Not a good idea. Didn't use it, didn't brandish it. In fact, I think no one even knew that he had it on site until after the events where he was texting his friend or his son recorded him boasting about having gone with a firearm Maybe they even discussed bringing it. Oh, no, sorry, 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 sorry. They discussed bringing it beforehand because according to Guy Reffitt at trial, he said, better be uh, tried by 12 than carried by seven, six. I'm an idiot. Uh, so he, he brought it and he had planned to bring it before. Didn't brandish it, didn't commit a crime with it, although he committed other crimes, arguably. Seven years. His son thought it was noble thought it was the right thing to do to surreptitiously record his father and then contact the FBI tip line. There's more going on in that family dynamic than I think we know about, uh, but we'll get there. And we're, we're talking, we're talking Justin Trudeau today. We have to, because it, it has occurred to me that people still don't know everything there is to know about Justin Trudeau. Now, before we even get there though, however, I meant to bring this up, the Alex Jones trial hearing of today was really shocking, to say the least. I only caught uh, basically the afternoon, as of one o'clock, um, Lewis, the plaintiff testifying, and then Alex Jones, and then the judge going off, and then plaintiff's attorney announcing they're going to make a motion for sanctions, not only against Alex Jones, but against his attorney. We'll get there. While I brought that up and this up to say, Lightgiver, 
I can answer that. Carrie Lake is running for governor, an amazing Republican woman. They want Katie Hobbs, a Democrat, to win. Hobbs will take credit. I don't know what that's for, but I want to say this. Thank you for the super chat and standard disclaimers. Hold on. Did I miss a super chat? Oh, no, I got that. Standard disclaimers, people. No legal advice, no election fortification advice, no medical advice whatsoever. Though we will be touching on some stories today that relate to the field of medicine. That dovetail into Justin Trudeau being, if he's not the worst person on earth, he's tied with all the other worst people on earth. No medical advice, no election fortification advice, no legal advice, super chats. YouTube takes 30% of all super chats. If you do not like that, we are or ought to be simultaneously streaming on the Rumbles. Rumble has these things called Rumble France, which is effectively the same thing as um, as uh, Super Chat, except Rumble only takes 20%. So better for the creator, better for the platform. And we are currently live on the Rumbles. <sighs> the wall. <laughs> I'm guilty of thought crime. I hope the internet is good. We've, we've moved on from where we were in Texas and... Uh, Internet seems good. Oh my God. It's um, okay. So let, let's, let's just start. I'm going to get this out of here on rumble. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're good people. And let's just see if we're still monetized on the YouTubes. Been having an interesting, interesting issues with the YouTubes. They're up to more of the chicanery. Nick Ricada, his seven day uh, suspension was lifted after 10 days. He's back live. And I'm sure he's explained what happened in greater detail. Cause YouTube suspends someone for alleged strikes and then doesn't allow them to explain to their community why they uh, can't go live. Oh, why are they building the wall in Arizona, Viva? Well, I don't know. But um, when they find out that uh, a certain population might be voting more Republican than not, they might be building the wall straight across the border. They frustrate Cubans' abilities to migrate, immigrate, to come to America but facilitate other uh, other immigrants who they bank on voting a certain way or at least garnishing certain types of political support. It's, I swear to you, I, I, could not be, I could not be getting more cynical if I tried. What was I just listening to? Oh my goodness. Total, total sidebar. Um, I, I, I haven't seen South Park in a long time and it popped up on the television and it was the episode when Cartman um, is it Cartman or is it um, it's Cartman or maybe the, the main character? I forget his name where he's where he starts becoming cynical and all music just sounds like people, you know, farting, pooping because everything sounds like S.H.I.T. And uh, they said, you know, at 10 years old, you're too young to become cynical because the old stuff sounds like garbage. But the new stuff, Bob Dylan, still sounds like garbage. So he's become cynical. Everything. Everything sounds like crap. I Stan is the name. Thank you. Um I haven't seen South Park in a long time, and it was good. Above and beyond the swearing, it was good. It had a good message. I'm not cynical yet, but my goodness, the world can make you cynical. When you realize that politicians will welcome certain immigrants, but not others, based on political leanings or political statistics, likelihood of voting one way or the other, when you realize how certain politicians open borders for some, but not for others, not for Cubans, but for South Americans, no questions asked. Until, and if the day ever comes, 
where they don't vote the way the people who are encouraging them to come want them to vote, they'll build a wall. It'll all of a sudden become effective and a useful uh, expense of taxpayer dollars. Buzzy Jimmy says, I wish I had half your hair. Well, Buzzy, look, the, 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 you look a little bit like, the avatar looks a little bit like uh, Billy Corgan or Bruce Willis. It is, it is, hair is one thing, but there are plenty of people who rock a smooth cranium, as they say. Okay, what do we start with? Okay, we actually have to start with this. Uh, this, this will dovetail. Dovetail or loop it. This will... What the heck is the word? This will lead, transition, naturally into Justin Trudeau. You will recall the other day I posted, um, reposted, Dr. Kieran Moore. Specifying, this is Dr. Kieran Moore, Chief Medical Officer of Ontario. This is not a, some schnook lawyer from Canada who, this is not some dumb bum lawyer from Canada. This is Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health. Gave a talk, CPAC, one of those CPAC interviews, or speeches, whatever, discourses, and um, specified that there are always risks to administering any therapeutic, his words, not mine, in reference to the Fauci juice. There's always risks of administering a therapeutic, and they are now in Ontario adopting the risk-based approach. Now, risk-based approach because any therapeutic carries with it certain risks. As Dr. Kieran Moore went on to testify, uh, to, to specify in his answer, um, as he went on to specify, risk-based approach, a young, healthy individual, minimal risk of hospitalization from the Rona. There's a small risk. I, I want to pull it up because I don't want anyone, especially not the YouTube overlords, saying that I'm offering medical advice. So, so there's a um, small risk of something called myocarditis, inflammation of the heart. Small risk. One in 5,000. Very small risk. It, it, it goes from bad to worse, people. And, and I, I can't even, I'm not cynical because I'm still going to be vocal and quite stubbornly vocal about this. This is Kieran Moore. I just recommend it to everybody instead of saying it's a personal decision. Risk-based. I think we're doing a risk-based approach. Risk-based. What's the risk? What's the risk? The risk, uh, there's always a risk to, uh, to having any therapeutic, to, uh, to having any therapeutic, 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 therapeutic versus a benefit. You want to make sure there's a very strong benefit. Strong uh, benefit. The risk. If we're an 18-year-old healthy individual, 18 -year -old the risk, healthy the risk of getting hospitalized, hospitalized if we have no medical illness, uh, is very, very low. Very, very we low. We know there is a risk, a very small risk, one very in 5,000 that may get myocarditis, for example. Just uh, a very small and, risk. Uh, Sorry. You'd have to have that discussion on the risk benefit of a complication from the vaccine versus a benefit of decreased hospitalization. I just thousand that may get uh, is very, very low. We know there is a risk, a very, a very small, small risk, risk, one in 5,000 that may get myocarditis, for example. Okay, so look, I, I will not be able to rage against that um, accidental admission harder than I than I currently am. I, I, could, I could be more salty cracker level uh, expletive. It's enraging. It's enraging, and it should enrage each and every one of you out there. Small risk, one in 5,000 of myocarditis for healthy 18-year-olds. 
Oh, cripe. What I was just about to look up something. Doesn't matter. I forgot what I was going to look up. Small risk. One in 5,000 risk of myocarditis for a healthy 18-year-old. And I interviewed Dr. Francis, Francis Christian last week. Check out that sidebar with Barnes and his attorney. Very, very small risk. One in 5,000 of myocarditis. What were the risks of hospitalization for that healthy 18-year-old to begin with? Probably much less than one in 5,000. But oh, and they tell you myocarditis, mild. It's no big deal. Just inflammation of your heart. I don't know. I, I, I know that a lot of people, a lot of professionals, a lot of people who are smarter than me, who, who do this for a living, have said there is no such thing as mild heart inflammation. It's, just, it's not a thing. It's a concoction of fake news. It's a concoction of government, subsidized media, running hardcover for what many might rightly believe to be tantamount to crimes against humanity. And I'm, I'm not, I, I was very reluctant to get to this point of using that term crimes against humanity. When the government is knowingly pushing therapeutic on a demographic which is exceedingly not at risk when they know a small risk of a per potentially not just irreversible but a potentially more serious condition uh when the government accidentally slips up and tells you the truth well then media comes in and does a hard cover and check this out by the way here and more one in five thousand what right on cue i know we've talked about this the other day people you're gonna have to bear with me if you've seen it because it's part of the rage Oh, oh, look at this now. C City News, Toronto comes in. Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? Uh, you have $600 million for us, uh, Justin Trudeau? Well, then hold on one second. <laughs> this is the type of headlines that a billion dollars can buy you. Much lower than one in 5,000. Doctors take issue with Dr. Moore's myocarditis claim. Doctors take issue with the chief medical officer of Ontario's claim. I'm sorry, other doctors contradicting the official narrative. You are... You are misinformation. Who should be deplatformed? That's how this works, right? Contradicting the who? Contradicting the chief medical officer of Ontario? Other doctors are now saying the chief medical officer is wrong? Oh, I'm sorry, because when other people say that the chief medical officers are wrong, they're spewing medical misinformation and they deserve to get deplatformed. But no. Now, city, but by the way, City News is not saying it. City News is just saying other doctors are now saying that Dr. Kieran Moore is wrong. By the way, Kieran Moore is wrong. Spoiler alert, it's not one in 5,000. The German uh, government has now just confirmed it's one in 5,000 per dose. We'll get there. Ontario Chief Medical Officer of Ontario was asked this week why he was not recommending the second COVID-19 booster to everyone, even though he had opened up eligibility to those 18 and over. We, okay, we saw that. We know there's a risk, a small risk, very small risk. One in 5,000 that someone may get myocarditis answered Dr. Moore. Myocarditis, an inflammation of the heart muscle that can reduce the heart's ability to pump blood. Can you can you appreciate this euphemism? It may reduce the heart's ability to pump blood. Why not just say it may reduce your ability to live? I mean, yeah, it's going to deprive your heart from pumping blood to your body. It might do. There's a one in 5,000 chance it might cause inflammation, which, which can... Which, a mild reduction in the heart's ability to pump blood. It's just a mild reduction. Temporary. Goes away. No problem. And if you say anything different, you're misinformation. 
is a known possible side effect of the COVID vaccine. But some doctors don't believe. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. They don't believe. It's as great a risk as more suggested. They don't believe. It's not that they don't know. They don't think. They don't believe. You know what I don't care about from a doctor? What you believe in. I would like to know what you know, what you have stats for, and I don't give a sweet bugger all what you believe. Because, by the way, a very good doctor can believe in God, and I will respect his or her decision to do that, but I am not going to rely on a doctor's belief. I'm going to rely on their professional assessment, which is typically not belief, because belief can't really be substantiated, contradicted, or verified. Uh, Opinions can. Opinions can be substantiated. They can be contradicted. And by the way, way to cover your ass. I didn't say it wasn't as high as Moore suggested. I just said I didn't believe it was. I'm, I'm not making a statement. I'm just sharing my belief. The incidence of, quote, the incidence of myocarditis after vaccination is much lower than one in 5,000. Kate Hanneman, director of cardiac imaging research at the Peter Monk Cardiac Center, told City News. She says the center has, quote, seen an increase in the number of patients referred for imaging assessment of suspected myocarditis in the last year. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't believe the number is as high as one in 5,000, but I've seen an increase in the number of patients referred for imaging assessment of suspected myocarditis in the past two years. Oh, in the past two years. What year is it? It's gonna go, we're going into 2023. But that the leading heart center at the Toronto General Hospital has performed approximately 65 cardiac MRIs, 65 for suspected vaccine-associated myocarditis at Oh my God. It's, it's, it's even, you keep reading, it gets even worse. I don't believe the numbers that high. Yeah. We've seen a lot more patients being referred for imaging of their hearts for suspected myocarditis, but I don't believe the numbers that high. When asked what research he was looking at to make his one in 5,000 claim, Dr. Moore's office pointed city news to a public health Ontario report titled adverse offense events following immunization. The document says that the highest rate of myocarditis is in males 18 to 24 year old, yada, 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 at 198 per million or about one in 5,000. However, the same report also details the relatively small total number of myocarditis cases seen in Ontario as a result of vaccination. Hey, people, do you know when you're getting lied to? Right here. As a result of vaccination, I suspect a great many of the cases that have been referred to they, you don't know what caused it. You just can put two and two together. As of July 3, there have been 775 reports of myocarditis or pericarditis, which is the sac or something. I don't know the difference. I, I, someone explained it and I forgot it already. Following receipt of COVID-19, that's equivalent to one in 16,000. But those are just reports. Oh, those are just the ones that are reported, by the way. Those are not the ones that are not reported. People who don't know, people who think it's gas chest pain, whatever. Those are the ones that are reported. And they're going to tell you that those reports are not substantiated. So it's probably higher than that. Whereas it's probably actually lower than that because people don't go to the hospital, probably because some of them feel too ashamed to even think that they might've had an adverse reaction. One in 16,000, by the way, is still too much. I don't believe it. I believe Dr. Kieran Moore accidentally told the truth. And that's reported cases, not actual cases reported. There's probably a lot of people who never reported it, which would make that number probably in reality a lot higher. Yada, 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 yada. Okay, skip this garbage. I think it would be important to highlight that estimates of coincidence, of incidents vary at the rate. One in 5,000 is in a very specific population. Yeah, that's pretty much what he was talking about. So they just admit this. They bury the lead and into the article, 
they admit that it's true. I think it would be important to highlight that estimates of incidents vary and that rate, one in 5,000, is in a very specific population, males aged 18 to 24 years after the second dose. That's exactly what he said, you effing liars. This doctor is pulling the wool over your eyes. City News is pulling the wool over your eyes because they just, in this same article, admit that Dr. Kieran Moore was right in his assessment. City News, doing good work for Justin Trudeau. That rates, the rates in other populations, and certainly the average incident is much lower, says doctor. Yeah, no doubt it's probably lower in 80-year-olds, in 75-year-olds. Dr. Francis Christian explained why. (sighs) They bury the fact that Kieran Moore was right, but probably still wrong because he wasn't even... His, his number was still uh, an underestimate. Can you, I just want everyone to appreciate. We read an article that said, as a headline, the, many doctors take issue with Kieran Moore's estimate or statement of one in 5,000. The article goes on to confirm that Kieran Moore was right for the specific age group about which he was talking when he was answering that question as to why they're not recommending the booster or the second booster, whatever it is. The number was right. The headline said doctors took issue with it, buried in that article from state-sponsored media. Propaganda arm of the Justin Trudeau government is the admission that Kieran Moore, Dr. Kieran Moore, was right. And he was wrong. Why was he wrong? Because it's one in 5,000 per dose, according to... A German report. Now, here, by the way, I'll just, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I do. I'll, I'll explain to you my MO. I don't happen to think that Children's Health Defense, um, uh, Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, I don't think he's a propagandist. I don't think he's a liar. I think he's doing his best to do good work and to be, I believe that. I, I don't know his intentions. It doesn't matter. Because despite the fact that he'll say something, I will still Verify it on my own. This is from his publication, The Defender, Children's Health Defense News and Views. What what day do we hear? July 21st, 2022. Stunning. One in 5,000 COVID shots caused, quote, serious side effects. German health officials admit. So first you get Kieran Moore accidentally admitting it's one in 5,000 for myocarditis among young, healthy individuals. One in 5,000. He may or may not have intended to lie, but it's not one in 5,000 at large. It's one in 5,000 now confirmed by German authorities per dose. And according to Justin Trudeau, as of September, you're not going to be up to date unless you keep getting successive doses every nine months. One in 5,000 for a certain demographic every five months. The government's going to come out and say, don't worry, we're not forcing anybody in that demographic to get it. If you choose to do it, you're playing Russian roulette or you're playing Fauci roulette. Ooh, hashtag Fauci roulette. Nobody's forcing them. We're only forcing uh, you to do it if you want to avoid quarantine, if you want to travel, if you want to avoid certain restrictions, if we go into variant. I don't even know what next variant is. We're not forcing you to do it. But if you're not up to date by getting each successive booster, which carries with it a one in 5,000 for 18 to 24-year-old males, for example... If you travel across the border, you'll have to go into quarantine for two weeks. If you, you know, if if we if we 
re-implement the vaccine passport, uh, you'll, you won't be allowed into Canadian Tire. You won't be allowed into uh, big department stores of over 1,500 square feet because these idiots have thought about everything. Or walk in public. We're not there yet, Divina, but Davina, but we'll see. Um, so I, I read this article from Children's Defense, and it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's been called an anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theorist. He's been de- he's been they've attempted to deplatform him. They've certainly maligned him and uh, defamed him to the point where if you cite Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or anything he's written, oh, oh that's Robert F. He, that anti-vaxxer, he's crazy, isn't he? I heard he's I heard he's as crazy as Alex Jones. Oh, but, but Alex Jones got something wrong once, so therefore everything he's ever said has to be wrong, and he should be shut up and deplatformed and bankrupted. Uh, same same thing goes for RF Kennedy Jr. People, if you thought this was going to end with Alex Jones, wake up and smell the smell the Red Bull. So I read this article. The German Federal Ministry of Health on Wednesday posted a, quote, stunning tweet. I don't know who they're quoting. Let me see who they're quoting. Admitting that one of every 5,000 COVID-19 vaccinations caused, quote, serious side effects. German health. And and by the way, we'll get there. I'm showing you my homework. The data included 5,862 reports of suspected adverse reactions in children and adolescents. You know, only the people with the most lifespan left, only then, only quite literally the future of humanity. You know, think about that episode from The Simpsons, children, children, future, future. The children are the, uh, that's that's a total cliche, but only the future of humanity. How, how many years does uh, a mild case of myocarditis uh, strip from the life of a healthy adolescent? I've heard, I've heard wildly varying estimates. But just uh, what's a little, it's just mild myocarditis, one in 5,000 per dose per 18 year old, you know, healthy male science people. And if you don't do it, you're a selfish bigot extremist who has no business. You know, you take up space, according to Justin Trudeau. Holy crab apples said my heart. No, I'm good. The Federal Ministry of Health, BMG, on Wednesday posted a stunning tweet admitting one... Okay, we got that. Although likely an underestimation due to voluntary reporting, according to Alex Berenson, who stepped in the, who stepped in the doodle with the, by, by venturing out of COVID and into Joe, uh, uh, Alex Jones, whatever. The admission implies almost 300,000 Americans and Europeans have experienced a severe adverse event after receiving a Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna vaccine. So we see a tweet here. It's a screen grab. Never trust a screen grab. Never trust a screen grab, people. Translated, the tweet says one in 5,000 people is affected by a serious side effect after a COVID-19 vaccination. If you suspect an adverse reaction, get medical attention and report your your systems to PEI Germany. And know that does not stand for Prince Edward Island underscore Germany. It stands for the Paul Ehrlich Institute, I guess. Uh, it uses the handle PEI Germany, is Germany's federal institute for vaccines and biomedical drugs. Okay. By the way, uh, they, they corrected they corrected their tweet. So the one in 5,000 people experience a serious reaction is actually, oh, sorry, I just skipped the punchline. Okay. During that time, 172,062,925 vaccinations were administered in Germany. Of those, 17.1% were spike vax. Okay. During the same period, PEI received 
nearly 300,000 reports of suspected side effects. The reporting rate was 1.7 per 1,000 vaccine doses for all vaccines combined and 0.2 serious reaction reports per 1,000 doses. So the one in 5,000, by the way, that Kieran Moore presumably was also referring to because, spoiler alert, an 18-year-old German kid's heart is probably not much different than an 18-year-old Canadian kid's heart. Uh, probably citing, you know, probably citing similar statistics because they're going to be similar across the board, probably human, human biology being what it is. So the one in 5,000 people experiencing a serious reaction is actually one in 5,000 doses. PEI on Thursday corrected its tweet to reflect the, to reflect accurate numbers. Okay. Don't trust, don't trust children's health defense because they're wacky conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers, selfish extremist bastards, and they can't be trusted. Um, son of a beasting. I didn't have that. I don't have that one lined up. Hold on. Don't trust them. Someone's screaming in the house here. Don't trust them because they, they, they can't be trusted because the media says they can't be trusted. Let's just go to. Tabarnush. Here it is right here. Okay. Sorry, guys. Let's just go to the actual tweet itself. Because you can't, you can't argue with the source. Although you could, you could undermine the source, but whatever. Here we go. Look at this right here. Boom. This is the website. This is a screen grab, but I have the link to the tweet right here. This is the tweet. Korrektur, which means correction. Die Maderat für Schweigengarten Reichsland Betrag laut PEI Germany. Zero to Meldungen pro 1,000 Impfdosen. I have no idea what I just read, but I know what it says because I went to... I went to translate. Correction. According to PEI Germany, the reporting rate for serious reactions is 0.2 reports reports per 1,000 vaccine doses. 0.2 per 1,000 doses. That's one per 5,000 doses. Not one in 5,000. That's one in 5,000 per dose. And that's just the, quote, reporting rate from the, quote, news from the Federal Ministry of Health verified Twitter account. So Kieran Moore was actually wrong, but for the wrong reasons, people. So I've been spending a lot of day, a lot, a lot of time in a car. I've got pent up energy. Kieran Moore was indeed wrong and wrong for the wrong reasons. One in 5,000, very, very small risk. One in 5,000 per dose, per dose, people. So just let that sink in as our government, and I'm saying ours in Canadian government, continues to push man, push these, these, these Fauci juices on six months and up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just let me, because you won't believe me. And I know you will believe me because people know, but uh, COVID vaccine, six months, Canada. Just good. Just, you need to see it. Because you, you, you wouldn't believe that, that humans could be up to such depravity. And, I'm, and I am saying criminality at this point. This is Government of Canada. Health Canada authorizes use of Moderna COVID vaccine in children six months to five years of age. But don't worry, guys. They don't get myocarditis. It's only one in 5,000 for 18-year-old healthy individuals. July 14, 2022. While all this is happening, 
Kieran Moore comes out and admits it's one in 5,000, but he's wrong. It's one in 5,000 per dose. CTV propagandist mouthpieces, Pravda, Canadian Pravda, come out and say, oh, some doctors believe that Kieran Moore is wrong. Germany comes out and confirms, correction, correctund. Es ist van in, oh, okay, we can't do it. It's actually one in 5,000 per dose. All of this is happening in the same month that July 14, 2022. Today, Health Canada authorized the use of Moderna spike vax. Where did we just see that? COVID-19 vaccine in children six months to five years of age. This is the first COVID-19 vaccine authorized in Canada for use in this age group and marks a milestone in Canada's response to COVID, Canada's response to COVID-19. It marks a milestone. It marks a milestone. What's the word for a, a, a threshold that has been breached? It marks a milestone of moral, ethical, and I'm going to say criminal depravity. It's unconscionable. And, and I will not, I'll only give my legal advice. I'm not giving any legal advice. I'm just going to give you my opinion. It's unconscionable. I have been very reluctant to say that, you know, Hillary Clinton, lock her up. It's, it's, it's fun at rallies. Uh, whether or not you get locked up for destroying emails, I don't know. Whether or not you get locked up for actually, you know, leading to people getting killed, a lot easier to justify. Uh, I, people need to stand trial for what they've done now. You, you literally have chief doctors talking about the most serious of adverse effects. And then you got state media downplaying the severity while the government continues to push what is becoming increasingly apparent is very, very serious and has potential. One in 5,000 serious side effects. Uh, it's, it's, it's enraging. It's enraging. And, and there, there has to be accountability at some point in the, in the future. There has to be. I'll, I'll... But that's it. No, no. Health Canada approving the vaccine now for f- six months to five years. A- as a parent, I can say that. It doesn't add credibility. to. I always said anyone who starts a sentence with as a blank, it does not add credibility or weight or legitimacy to what follows. It adds understanding to that person's experience in life. As a parent, anybody who, anybody who contemplates this needs to have their head examined. Just relying only on the words coming out of the mouths of Canada's top doctors in real time. Head examined. But uh, Trudeau continues to push it. And what else would we expect from a pathological, a pathological abuser of all humans? But in particular, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a slight, a slight. Um, uh, we're gonna have a parentheses on Justin Trudeau. Let me just get to my my Twitter feed. Justin Trudeau uh, celebrates Emancipation Day yesterday. Justin Trudeau, oh, I caught that. Justin Trudeau comes out yesterday and celebrates Emancipation Day. Hold on, I got to get to my Twitter feed. I mean, it's the type of gaslighting you can't believe anybody could do with a serious face. Justin Trudeau. Let me see here. Oh, we're going to get into a nice. We're going to get into a nice Twitter, Twitter feed. Um, 
Here we go. Justin Trudeau celebrating Emancipation Day. The man who has caused more suffering than anyone, I would say, in modern history. He, he might be tied with leaders of other countries. Justin Trudeau. Here, guys, look at this. Trudeau. Today we acknowledge the painful history of slavery in Canada. Sing it, sing it, Trudeau. You, you, these words coming out of your mouth touch my heart. We also celebrate the strength of Black communities who fought and continue to fight for justice and equality. Together, let's keep building a more inclusive Canada. Unless you just happen to be the, those Black Canadians who are reluctant or choose not to get vaccinated, maybe in large part because there has been a history of government abusing the Black population through surreptitious secret medical testing. If you haven't heard of the Tuskegee experiments, they lasted, you know, just a few decades. Telling the Black population they were being treated for syphilis, and in some cases they were not being treated for syphilis, so that the government could see what untreated syphilis looks like in humans. In some cases, they were being proactively given syphilis. It was just the government lapse of reason and human ethics, you know, just for a few decades. Oh, oh, and that residential schooling thing, you know, the, the Indigenous Canadians who are also reluctant to get a vaccine shot, who are also reluctant to uh, bend over and just do what the government tells them, because the government also has a bit of a history of, you know, residential school abuse and medical experimentation on Indigenous Canadians. They're also reluctant to get the shot. Oh, and the Latino community in Canada, who is also reluctant to get the shot. But now Justin Trudeau, who has imposed a vaccine mandate, which has had a disparate impact on ethnic minorities, Black Canadians, Indigenous Canadians, Latino Canadians. He comes out and he has the gall to talk about the strength of Black communities who fought and continue to fight for justice and equality against a government that has in the past and in the present continued to perpetrate injustice against Blacks, Indigenous, Latino Canadians. Okay. In light of justice, this was not my best tweet on the subject. Hold on, what was the other one? Oh, here we go. You are a racist who implements racist policies which have a disparate impact on Black Canadians. You are a disgraceful, evil, gaslighting tyrant, a stain on our nation. I'm not going to say it, 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 it felt good to say that because that, that tweet is predicated on people actually suffering because of Justin Trudeau's actual policies. And then I get um, someone saying, oh, what's, what's, what's racist about it? Well, what policies exactly? Oh, from a, from a proud Canadian liberal, what policies? Vaccine, and I respond, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, prohibition on unvaccinated from planes and trains, quarantine hotels, forcing healthy children to quarantine because they're unvaccinated. Is that enough, you proud Canadian liberal? Then at one point, still waiting for the racist side of it, still waiting for what makes it racist. Policies, this is a principle of law. It's not a rule. It's not a hard and fast rule. Sometimes you can have a policy which has a disproportionate impact on certain minorities, and it's not a racist policy in and of itself. But if you happen to uh, do it knowingly, knowing specifically that it's going to have a disparate impact on certain ethnic minorities and you still implement it, that's a racist policy. And by the way, this is an argument that, uh, let's just say one side of the aisle, I'll say the Democrats, use quite often. Voter ID, according to Democrats, is a racist policy because according to Democrats, they think minorities can't procure government IDs. That Who's racist in that 
thought process, I'll leave that to you. I know what I think. It's people who think that minorities can't get IDs. But they use this argument all the time. Vo Republicans want voter ID laws because they're racist, because it has a disparate impact on racial minorities. And minorities can't get government IDs. They use the argument all the time. Wrongly, I would suggest, but they use it all the time. Policies that have a disparate impact on minorities are racist policies. Knowing, because we know this, and I, I, I show my homework. Vaccine hesitancy, StatCan says black, black, Latinx, Latinx, Latino Canadians, least willing to take the shot. Okay, that's one. And then uh, this is another one confirming the low vaccination rate among Indigenous Canadians for the reasons I mentioned prior to. Residential schools, by the way, they didn't just rip Indigenous children from their families for the purposes of assimilation for their own good. They, when the government did it, by the way, they did it justifying their obscene actions on the idea that it would be for the good of the Indigenous children. Assimilation at the time was seen as the only way to assimilate Indigenous Indigenous Canadians or the indigenous into the Canadian population. Now, they did it for the good of the children when they ripped them from their parents, put them in these residential schools where they were abused in all a variety of ways, including medical experimentation. You just have to look into it. Sometimes they were not given medication that they needed. Other times they were like, they were, they were being uh, surveyed. They were being sort of assessed as they were starving to see what effect uh, deprivation of certain nutrients had on the indigenous children who were ripped from their families, put in these residential schools, subjected to the most inhumane types of abuse. But at the time, the government was doing it for their own good. They were just too obtuse to understand it was for their own good. The only way indigenous people will have a future in Canada is if they're fully assimilated. Knowing that, and knowing it, because the government knows it, have nonetheless implemented policies, they may as well say blacks. Latino Canadians, Indigenous Canadians, you got you got to quarantine. We're going to make you quarantine at a higher rate than white Asian Canadians who are statistically more likely to get vaccinated, probably because they haven't had the same history as Black, Latino, Indigenous Canadians. Canadians, are, so knowing that Black, Indigenous, and Latino Canadians are in fact less likely to get vaccinated, enacting these policies effectively renders them second-class citizens. Unless, you know, as the good liberal says, unless they just have to do what the good liberal says. I'm liberal. I know what's best for minorities and just do it. Just shut up and take the shot, uh, ethnic minority, because it's for your own good. Like we said way back in the day, like we said throughout history, which is why you are in fact reluctant to heed to the words of the government unquestionably, because you have been systematically abused by the government. And now you're being systematically abused by the Trudeau government. But the proud Canadian liberal no, dude, just do it. We know what's best for you, as we did back in Tuskegee, as we did back in the residential schools. We, the liberals, we, the know-all of knowing all Canadians, we know what's best for you. You're stubborn. You're, you're, you're obtuse. You, you, you're, in, you're incapable of knowing what's good for you. You need us to tell you that. And so shut up, take the shot. And if you don't, well, enjoy your 14-day quarantine just because you're not vaccinated if you decide to travel. Or you know what? Just don't travel. What are you, spoiled? You think you get to see the world? <sighs> so that's that's this that's what's going to segue into just, I need to remind everyone what an awful, lamentable, disgusting human being Justin Trudeau is. And arguably, two times ethics breaching. So I can officially say, you know, he violates the law. Twice, at least.
Now, I saw a super chat that I don't want to miss because I haven't been seeing the super chats for a while. Oh, I never corrected a comment. I'm banned. No, you're not, Corn Pop. Here, sorry. Maureen Brown. It's my birthday. And I'll cry if I want to. Spend this money on your children for the years I've traveled around the sun. 60, so you're 65. Happy birthday. They make me happy, and you do too. Maureen Brown, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Uh, we're on we're on vacation in Texas, uh, so we the undoubtedly travel with three kids. Man, it is, I'm not complaining. It's fantastic, stressful. Uh, five people in one hotel room. Oh boy, can you make a mess fast? Um, but thank you very much and happy birthday, Maureen. Uh, Sixty five. It's a good number. Okay, I'm gonna just I I, I want to. Um, what did someone say here? Hold on. A little too much soapbox on residential schools, Viva. I don't know what that means. I, I listened to a number of podcasts after the residential schools became the, the, the trending issue in Canadian politics as though they were just recently discovering mass graves. They had no idea. It's like they, they just recently discovered these mass graves of which they have been aware for the last seven years since the Truth and Reconciliation Committee gave them all the names of all the kids. Government did nothing. For seven years, come election time, Justin Trudeau's literally posing over what he purports to be the graves of dead Indigenous children. But if anyone needs uh, Justin Trudeau, I tweeted out today. In 2000, he groped a reporter and apologized for it. In 2016, he elbowed a parliamentarian woman in the chest. It was known as Elbowgate. They call it Elbowgate. I would have gone with Breastgate because Elbowgate makes it sound like it's about the elbow. When it was about Justin Trudeau, like a tyrant buffoon that he is, goes across, manhandles one member of parliament, and in the incident, elbows a female parliamentarian in the chest. And I've been told that that hurts women. That's, that, like, that's as sensitive to them as getting kicked in the chichis is for men. That's what he did in 2016. 2019, he fires uh, Jody Wilson-Rabel, demotes her, ruins her career because she would not adhere to his corrupt uh, demands not to prosecute this company called SNC-Lavalin uh, for corruption when they were guilty of corruption. He uh, defames Alexa Lavoie and Rebel News, but Alexa in particular doesn't answer her questions, calls her misinformation. Uh, he assaults his RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, during one of the protests. Uh, at point-blank range, discharged a tear gas firearm into Alexa Lavoie's leg while she was wearing her press credentials, carrying a microphone that said Rebel News, accidental discharge, point-blank into her leg. And I said, what is it about Justin Trudeau that he gets off abusing women? And I just, everyone needs, we need to just occasionally um, refresh our memories as to what a what a disgusting uh, entity, a horrible entity I, I, that he's been reelected three times or twice blows my freaking mind. People don't know who Justin Trudeau is. Trudeau, this is four years old, people. So it's, it's old news. Forget about it. Water under the bridge. I apologized to reporter behind a groping claim. Canada PM very confident he did not act inappropriately at music festival in 2000. Oh, was that was that when he was also a not acting inappropriately by dressing up like a black person, by dressing up like a sultan or uh, uh, what's his name? Aladdin. Uh, 
he he's confident he didn't act inappropriately while he was dressing in blackface. That was about the same time, I believe, actually. The Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has for the has for the first time publicly acknowledged that he apologized in 2000 to a reporter who alleged he groped her, but said he was very confident he did not act inappropriately. Well, of course, when you're the king, you can't act inappropriately. In fact, when you're the king, how dare anyone not take to your advances for groping them? And by the way, let's just let's just parse this out a little bit. He apologized to a reporter who alleged he groped her. Uh, do you know what most people wouldn't do? They wouldn't apologize to someone if they didn't do something that would potentially ruin their political life. He apologized to someone who accused him of groping her. That means he made contact. And the only question is, was it deliberate or accidental? And if it was deliberate, was it invited or was it uninvited? The unsigned editorial Oh, sorry. The, the accusation first appeared in a local newspaper a few days after a music festival in British Columbia that Trudeau, then a 28-year-old teacher, was attending. By the way, there's another story out there. I know people like to talk about it, an alleged NDA. Until it's confirmed, it's going to be rumor that I might believe to be true, but it's going to be rumor nonetheless. The the article that published it, something Beaver, uh, the, the conservative Beaver, something be it's not a real publication. Uh, so until it's confirmed... It's something that I, you know, I've heard rumorings from peoples, but it remains rumor until it can be confirmed. But the unsigned editorial advance, uh, 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 Crescent Valley Advance, accused Trudeau of groping and inappropriately handling an unnamed reporter who was covering the event. These types of things don't happen by accident. Now, I, I am very much inclined to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. This is not a uh, this is not an accusation that comes 35 years later, by the way. So when we talk about, you know, like plausibility of certain stories and the um, fundamental right to a defense in real time, uh, this reporter, as far as these incidents goes, did it properly. The, the complaint came in real time, contemporaneously with the event, not 35 years later, not 20 years later, not when someone decides to run for office 10 years later, at the time, in real time, and Justin Trudeau. Apologized. He admits it. He admits it also. So it's not like one of those things where it's categorically denied. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. When I say I did not, I mean I did. And with that woman, I mean he admitted it. So the, the, the accusation came in real time, contemporaneously with the events, and Justin Trudeau admitted something happened and he apologized for it. While the editorial offered no specifics on what had happened, it claimed the reporter felt blatantly disrespected and Trudeau had apologized for his behavior. I'm sorry, the editorial, I'm sorry. The editorial alleged Trudeau to have said, if I had known you were reporting, reporting for a national paper, I never would have been so forward. Uh, where does it get to? Trudeau addressed the allegation briefly on Monday, describing the day of the event as a good day, I'm sure it was, and one in which he did not recall any negative interactions. Of course not, because the king never recalls negative interactions, because everyone should be amenable to the advances of the king. After calls for an independent investigation into the claim and opposition criticism of his initial response, Trudeau addressed the issue at length on Thursday. I've been reflecting very carefully on what I remember. By the way, I've been reflect. I've been reflecting very carefully. 
on what I remember from that incident almost 20 years ago, he told reporters. I do, I do not feel that I acted inappropriately in any way, but I respect the fact that someone else might have experienced that differently. He touched her. He's admitting he touched her. When asked about why he had apologized to the woman after the alleged incident, Trudeau said, if I apologize later, it would be because I sensed that she was not entirely comfortable with the interaction that we had. Hmm. Pressed further, he acknowledged he had atoned for his actions at the time. I apologized in the moment, he said, without giving details. This is the same guy who has his officers manhandle uh, Drea Humphrey from Rebel News, a woman, a black woman, if that matters to anybody, because uh, not just a woman, an ethnic minority, while Justin Trudeau apologizes for, uh, you know, emancipation, while he, while he celebrates Emancipation Day. By the way, by Drea Humphrey. Uh, Trudeau manhandled. There we go. Just just another incident where he apologizes. He apologizes. You can go read the story. I just I remember I remember it occurred. I'm sure he apologized to her. I, I apologize if Drea if Drea felt um, uncomfortable by the way my police uh, manhandled her and removed her from the scene. So just a refresher. He did that. Then, what was the other one? Then, what was the elbowgate, people? Elbowgate. You know, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, three times is enemy action. Elbowgate. This is coming from Wikipedia. So, you know, if they admit something that's negative to Justin Trudeau, it's got to be twice as serious as it otherwise would be. Elbowgate was an incident in which Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau came into physical contact. He just came into physical contact. He didn't initiate the physical contact. He just came into physical contact. It just happened. It was like a meteorite just crashed through the room and shuffled everyone together. He came into physical contact with two opposition members of Parliament in the House of Commons on May 18, 2016, during, a parliamentary, during the parliamentary session. During the incident, Trudeau grabbed Conservative Ed P. Conservative MP Gord Brown by the arm and then inadvertently elbowed NDP MP Ruth Ellen Brosseau in the chest. Trudeau subsequently apologized and was not subject to parliamentary sanctions for the incident. Hold on, people. See if we can find this. Elbowgate Trudeau. Skip this ad. I don't need fiber, people. I don't need fiber. That has nothing to do with my... Look in the corner right here, people. Oh, yeah. Like a bunch of... Look over here. If there's no slow motion, I'll play the, I'll, I'll replay it. I think I missed it. Humans are the smartest species on earth, people. <laughs> Look over here. Like, oh, right there, right there, right there. Ow, you see it? Right there. Look at the blonde lady right there. About this, by the way, in the chat. One, I did not know about this. No. Two, yes, I knew about this. Elbow game. It doesn't stop there, people. It doesn't stop there. 
This is the prime minister. Why would anyone expect a man who systematically uh, gropes, abuses, assaults women? Why would why would why would he behave any differently now? In fact, he would he would and probably does feel empowered because he's gotten away with it for last 20 years. And now he's figured out the best way to get away with it. Buy off the media. Buy off the media. That'll at least buy you some time. Uh, let me see if I can't find Drea Humphrey. Trudeau assault. Let me just see if we can find this here. Nah, too many other stories coming up. Uh, wh- why would he behave any differently? Okay. Good. People, a lot of people are, what, 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 what other scandal should we do with uh, Trudeau? I mean, I've talked about Aga Khan, where he was taking all-inclusive paid vacations to the Aga Khan's private island, taking the RCMP, who apparently were renting jet skis, ran up a bill of $65,000, didn't think it was necessary to disclose that gift from a man who's petitioning the federal government for $50, $60 million in federal funding and getting it. Um, what else did Trudeau do? Oh, SNC-Lavalin fired the first minister of justice who was indigenous. He was so proud. <laughs> he was so proud to have nominated the first indigenous minister of justice and attorney general. He, he took credit for nominating her. He then fired her when she refused to adhere to his pressure not to criminally prosecute SNC-Lavalin for corruption in Libya, I think it was. Uh, fires her, demotes her, ruins her reputation. Abuse. It's just one thing after the other. Okay, that's Justin Trudeau. I, we've gone an hour and five minutes. We've got to get to two two other stories. Guy Reffitt and um, Alex Jones, man. Holy crab apples. But first, what are your thoughts on Roxham Road? Um, there's not, You either have borders and you have a country or you don't. This is not... This is not rocket science. You know, the, the whole idea that the world has mobilized to defend the Ukrainian sovereignty from Russia invasion, however you feel about that conflict, the world has mobilized to protect the sanctity of the nation of Ukraine, the borders of Ukraine, and then they willy-nilly disregard our own national borders and you're a racist politician if you say we need to control immigration. I don't understand how it works. I, I, I've seen the videos because Rebel News is among the few outlets covering. Roxham Road is basically like our southern border where people from all, all, from all, all different countries uh, literally walk across the street into Canada. And one of the excuses was that under Trump, uh, a lot of immigrants or a lot of uh, aliens, I don't even know what the word is anymore, illegal immigrants, uh, no longer felt safe in America. So they were coming to Canada where they felt safer. A country has a border or it doesn't exist. That, that border is respected or it doesn't exist. And borders are not only good for Ukraine and other countries. And, and if it's racist to protect a border in Canada or the U.S., guess what? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And that logic should apply everywhere or that lack of logic should apply nowhere. Add on the women with menstrual cycle effects. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, no, we're not getting there. Welcome to Florida. I just moved here in October and my only regret is not doing it sooner. Hashtag Gulf Coast. Good looking 
good, cute looking, good looking kids. Actually, I, I can't say other people. It's a beautiful avatar. Sorry, otherwise it just looks weird. Uh, and it looks weird to say someone else has cute, handsome kids or whatever. So sorry. No. Okay. I just I just made it so much worse. By <laughs> should have stopped. Instead, I tracked all that poo poo around the house. You say Trudeau like Seinfeld says Newman. Hello, Trudeau. Emancipation for me, but not for thee. No, it's emancipation. He'll, apo- he'll apologize for the historical wrongs committed against Blacks, Latino Canadians, Indigenous Canadians, while literally committing a variation of those same wrongs again today. Except his only defense, I guess, is he's doing it to all Canadians who choose not to get vaccinated. That the disproportionate, or that it disparately impacts certain minorities, it's just a coincidence. Rumble is the new YouTube that doesn't censor truth. Viva is there and you can, oh, Viva is there and you can send super chats. Rumble France and 80% goes to the creator versus 70% to YouTube. Jason B, I love that avatar. Very professional looking avatar. Uh, Led Zeppelin Cashmere, I am a traveler of both time and space. Then COVID hit. Don't apologize for getting worked about six months and up. It's sickening. Parents are, it's, you imagine that they're going to, people are going to wake up. They're not wake up. They're going to probably recognize one day they've sacrificed more than they know. How do you get JT out? What's your intuition on his pot? He has no popular support. He didn't even have popular support in the reelection. It's just that he won the slimmest of minority governments. And thank goodness for, hmm, I was going to say scumbag. That might be too, too easy. Justin Trudeau. Thank goodness, not Justin Trudeau, Jugmeet Singh. Thank thank goodness for turncoat Jugmeet Singh, who is now. I didn't ban corn pop people. I didn't. I don't ban anybody. And corn pop is not a Russian sex pot. So if it's a joke, stop it, because I didn't ban him. Justin Trudeau has no support. People hate him. People loathe him. He relies on two things to get reelected by the slimmest of minority governments. Absolute ignorance, because there's people out there who know nothing about him. And media uh, that he has bought off to sell, not Trudeau, but at the very least, the liberals. People still think they're liberal because they vote liberal. They think they're liberal because they vote liberal while literally implementing racist policies, while literally supporting the most tyrannical, autocratic, fascistic government you can imagine. They think they're liberal just because they carry the name. That's what they rely on. He only got like 20 some odd percent of any meaningful vote. But when you have the NDPs getting 20 some odd percent, you have the conservatives getting, I don't know, 18 percent. I'm off on the numbers. But when you have the NDP conservative liberals, you get the Green Party getting some, the Marxist Party, PPC. When you have multiple parties to remain in power with a minority government, you could be the most detested human on earth, as I think Justin Trudeau is. And somehow enough ignorant people out there who have no idea who Justin Trudeau is. A lot of smart people don't know about these scandals. So that's it. Corn pop is done. Okay. All right. So that well, we're going to, we're going to move off of Justin Trudeau because we don't want to have the lingering taste of vomitus in our mouth for too long. Let's go to Guy Reffitt, by the way, speaking of, um, I was supposed to have it. Well, no, the two tier justice system is the transition from Guy Reffitt to Alex Jones. Um, hold on. Let me just see on, on the rumbles. Good. we got people on the rumbles, people. Jagmeet is hated everywhere. People are saying, uh, okay. And it goes too fast for me to actually read. 
Check out what Australia admitted, Viva, coming from SS113. No one wants Trudeau, but you have no remedy. Stuck with him. WS84. You missed the rumble rants. Ah, oh, crap. Okay, I missed the rumble rants. Sorry, people. All right, Guy Reffitt, peeps. Uh, th the amazing thing is, like, people out there conflate defending a principle with defending a person. People conflate uh, saying that a wrong was done to someone who might nonetheless be guilty, as though to say, if you acknowledge that someone is being too harshly punished for the crime they may have committed, or notwithstanding anything, they're being treated unfairly despite being guilty, people conflate that with, why are you, def why are you defending someone who's guilty? Guy Reffitt, for those of you who don't know, is one of the Jan 6 individuals, came from Texas with a firearm to uh, the Capitol to protest. Uh, everything is fine in that equation, except potentially for the firearm, where uh, you're asking for so much trouble by doing it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll recognize and we'll admit that Guy Reffitt did, did certain wrong things. He, he might have even actually broken the law. Now what? Seven and a half years? And, and not just that. He broke the law in such an egregious manner that it took his son ratting him out to the FBI, forensic you know, video evidence, uh, to find out what he did on that day. He definitely partook in a violent protest. He partook in a protest that got violent. He had an active role in it. I, I'm confident he probably broke the law. I'm confident he should do some form of community service, minimal jail time to punish him. I, I think we could, I think most of us could agree with that. Seven years and the prosecution wanted terrorist enhancements on sentencing. So let's just hear the story. Are we looking at the same thing, people? I think we are. Politico, StreamYard, Guy Reffitt. Booyah. Okay, hold on. Texas militia member. Well, there you go. There's framing right off the bat. Framing is everything, people. Texas militia member gets most serious January 6th sentence yet. Just over seven years. Oh, but don't worry, he should be thankful. The judge declined prosecutor's request to treat Guy Reffitt as a terrorist under sentencing guidelines. Okay, a Texas militia member on Monday received the longest sentence to date. Uh, of any participant in the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol, seven and a quarter years in prison, 49. He was the first January, January 6 defendant to go before a jury and was convicted in March on five felony charges, including interfering with police during civil disorder, obstructing the tally of, a, of the electoral votes and threatening his children if they reported him to authorities. This is where the story takes Mao Zedong level twists. However, U.S. District Judge Dabney Friedrich, who is a uh, Trump appointment, so there's that. Bear that in mind, however you want to digest this. It means that Guy Reffitt was either so guilty that even a Trump appointee sentenced him to seven and a half years, or, um, or you know, end that sentence the way you want. Um declined the Justice Department's request to treat Reffitt's crimes as terrorism, which would have substantially increased the recommended sentence under federal guidelines. It was federal prosecutors' first request to draw tougher punishment for a January 6th defendant by classifying his actions as domestic terrorism. Well, why shouldn't they? The, the House, the January 6th committee, in their House resolution, called it domestic terrorism over and over and over again in that resolution. Why shouldn't the prosecutors 
demand that it be treated as domestic terrorism when the January 6th committee says it is. But the judge concluded that it was not appropriate to apply the more severe, the more severe. Wow. Uh, okay, there an appointee of Donald Trump said that applying the sentencing enhancements to Refit would create unwarranted sentencing disparity with other cases involving similar threats or conduct uh, or conduct related to the Capitol riot. There's a lot of cases where defendants possessed weapons or committed very violent assaults. By the way, or uh, I don't believe there's any um, I don't believe there's any accusation that Guy Refit committed any violent assaults. He had a weapon. There's no question about that. He participated in the in the riot the protest, however you want to call it. I don't believe there was any evidence or even accusation that he committed violent assaults or even any assault for that matter. Friedrich noted, highlighting that the most severe sentences handed down in January 6th cases thus far were a little more than five years. While, by the way, I'll get to it after. Remind me about the terrorist enhancement charges later on, people. Um, five years, while prosecutors asked for a 15-year sentence against me. Just kill him. Send him to jail for 15 years of his remaining 40 years if he's lucky. The government is asking for a sentence that, that is three times as long as any other defendant and that and the defendant did not assault an officer. There you go. Ultimately, Friedrich found that Refit's case was more like uh, was more like the more serious January 6th cases already sentenced, yada, yada, yada. Friedrich made clear, though, that she considered his plans dangerous and she, rede she rejected as absurd his rationale for them as a means of throwing off government oppression akin to, akin to that facing American colonists in the 18th century. These are frightening claims that border on delusional. In a democracy, the answer to those frustrations is not rebellion, because that's what he did. No violence, showed up with a firearm, no assault. Rebellion. And it's really disturbing that he repeatedly persists with these views that are way outside the mainstream. These are just flat. His claims are wrong, she said. What he and others who attacked the Capitol on Jan 6 did is the antithesis, antithesis of patriotism. The officers at the Capitol were patriots. Those are the patriots. Those who stormed the Capitol are not. Not only are they not patriots, they are a direct threat to our democracy and will be punished as such. That's from the judge. Either side could appeal, yada, yada, yada. Um, oh, here, here, this is, this is when, you know, he, he, I love big brother, sit there, pull, you know, abuse you, make you say, I love big brother in the hopes that they'll show leniency. And I guess the judge did. She didn't give him 15 years for terrorist enhancements. She only gave him seven and a half years. In retrospect, it was unclear whether Refit's decision to address the court was a wise one. While the former oil field worker sought to be conciliatory, his remarks were disjointed and peppered with at least nine profanities. I did want to definitely make an apology, multiple apologies, and accept my responsibility. 2020 was a little too crazy. I was a little too stupid, and I was not thinking clearly, Refit said. I want to apologize to my family, to the court, to the legislators, and their staff, everyone who's affected by my actions. I love Big Brother. I love Big Brother. I don't want to have anything to do with any groups, militia-like, any kind of stupid shit like that, the defendant added. I'll be lucky with my mouth. If I get into a church group after this, my mouth is biggest enemy. My enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, so that's it. I mean, it's, it's, this is, this is a two tiered system level of justice, by the way, because let me just, let me just, um, just re refresh everyone's memory. 
Everyone remember this story? Everyone remember this story? The New York lawyers who pleaded guilty in Molotov cocktails. Um, you, you want to talk about issues? You want to talk about situations where potentially uh, terrorist enhancements might be might be warranted? I'm not even saying that they, 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 they are necessarily, but where they might be and where I think they were and then subsequently dropped. Does everyone remember this story? New York lawyers plead guilty in Molotov cocktail case. Shorter sentences likely. Have they been sentenced yet? Uh, Yuuj Rahman, 33, and Collinford Mattis had pleaded guilty last October to possessing a destructive device and expressed regret, but fought federal prosecutors' efforts to brand them as terrorists, more than doubling their potential sentences to 10 years. Under the under revised agreements, the defendants were charged with conspiracy to commit arson and possess an explosive device, with prosecutors recommending sentences of 18 to 24 months. They had their pleas. They, they agreed to a plea, by the way. And then the prosecutors reduced their plea. Oh, they said, I wish I had made better, different and better choices that night, Mattis told Kogan. Uh, Rahman also said she regretted her actions. They had their sentences reduced. Their plea deal reduced. Let me just see if I can find this in real time. May 11. No, that's not it. Um, they initially agreed to a plea. And then prosecutors came in and reduced their plea deal. Summer of love. Those Molotov cocktails were, uh, they were, you know, it was a cold night. They were just trying to, you know, think about maybe helping officers stay warm in their cars. Two-tier level justice. One person is now going to jail for seven and a half years. He brought a firearm to the protest. Uh, he definitely participated in the protest. Never used the firearm. Never committed any act of violence. Uh, these two lawyers, I believe, were handing out Molotov cocktails, or at the very least, possessed Molotov cocktails. What's this? Hold on. I actually have to. I have to refresh my memory. Did they throw the Molotov cocktail? Um. You're going to see how I Molotov cocktail. Let's just see. Let's just get the story. Okay, so they plead guilty. Let me just hear. Um, charged with firebombing a New York City police department. So they were charged with actually firebombing a New York City police department vehicle. So they did it. They did it. Were they also handing out the Molotov cocktails? They actually Molotov firebombed uh, a vehicle. They have their sent their they have their guilty plea reduced by the prosecutor. Guy Reffitt doesn't commit any act of violence, but brings a firearm to a protest seven and a half years of a 49-year-old man's life. Uh, I won't say the two lawyers ought to have known better than Guy Reffitt. Everybody, everybody. I have no doubt the lawyers knew what they were doing was wrong. It's not that they didn't know what was, they, they're doing was wrong. Guy Reffitt, look, I, I, it's it's a more defensible claim to say I didn't know that it was uh, that my Second Amendment rights did not allow me to carry a firearm in certain areas. I think that defense becomes uh, slightly more difficult when you're talking about the circumstances of January 6th and going into the Capitol building carrying a firearm. Even his own rationale during his trial was 
better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. Cause if something happened, he was, he had that firearm for a reason. Um, but it's to say it's a two tier level justice system. It's, it's an understatement at this point. It's, it's become a meme. It's become a meme. The sickest part of that story, by the way, is for those who don't know, Guy Reffitt was turned, uh, turned in by his son. And I mean, it, it, in Mao Zedong's China, they got children to rat out their parents for, you know, crimes, for defying the government. They got, they, they managed to put out enough propaganda to, to actually brainwash children to rat out their own family for government wrong think. Now, there is a lot going on in this story that might explain certain things. Uh, There might be a history of family violence in this story, and I don't know. Uh, There has to be more to this story to explain why a son would do something like that to their parent, not to justify it and not to to, um, disregard it. I, I think there might be more going on here. But like I said to someone, someone says, why are you defending Guy Rethit? The guy's an idiot. He clearly uh, participated in the protest and brought a gun. He's, a, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. He deserves to be punished to some extent. Seven and a half years for what he did compared to what was given to those lawyers who pleaded guilty, had their plea deal reduced. If it were equal injustice to both, I'd be complaining about both. If it were uh, similar... Punishments for both, I probably wouldn't be complaining about either. You know, it's, it's like that line from Magnolia. John C. Riley. What's his name? John C. Riley. So sometimes, you know, pe- people need to be forgiven and sometimes they need to go to jail. I don't know where this fits on that. You know, I, I think there are other ways to rehabilitate or to, you know, to make someone repent uh, in, in a meaningful way without breaking them. There's no point turning someone who was not at, up to that point in their lives a criminal into a criminal as part of the rehabilitation or punitive process. There's no point turning non-criminals into criminals. Uh, that being said, every now and again, even a non-criminal will, will cross a line where they're only, you know, they need to go to jail. Not necessarily for seven and a half years. So setting all that aside, there's clearly something going on with this family dynamic. A son explains why he turned in his father over the January 6th attack. This is from March, and I covered this back in the time. A soft-spoken 19-year-old told jurors he felt uncomfortable after he decided to alert the FBI about, quote, surreal and scary text messages from his father in the weeks before the January 6th, 2021 assault. Apparently he did not, oh no, I think he did notify the FBI before as well. Testifying in the first trial related to the insurrection. Where's this? NPR, still calling it an insurrection. Uh, Jackson Reffitt said his father, Guy Reffitt, warned that he and others were about to, quote, rise up, end quote, in a family text chain on Christmas Eve 2020. Quote, what's about to happen will shock the world. Guy Reffitt typed to his family only a couple of weeks before the viol- a violent mob stormed the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to stop Congress from certifying the 2020 presidential election- elections, electoral votes. As the heated text piled up, Jackson Reffitt performed an internet search from his bedroom in a Dallas suburb. Jackson said he felt, quote, paranoid, but the Justice Department said his suspicions proved correct. Oh. Big Brother, uh, thanks you for reporting your father. Googling that to report, Googling that to report my father, saying it out loud is pretty weird, said Jackson, who wore a dark suit and white shirt with no tie. 
his brown hair spilling loose several inches past. What the heck are they? Are they it's like a Fabio romance novel? The FBI didn't get back to Jackson until January 6th, the same day hundreds of people who had traveled to Washington attacked the Capitol in the worst assault since the War of 1812. NPR people, your tax dollars, hard at work. What the fudge is this? Who comes in here, son? I'm yelling at the interwebs. Be gone. Or at least come back. Oh, boy. The FBI didn't give it until the worst assault since the War of 1812. His father is the first one of them to go to trial at the federal courthouse just down the street of government. Okay, fine. Guy Reffitt faces, this was before he got it, to build their case. Authorities are using Guy Reffitt's own words against him in the form of text messages, video that Reffitt captured himself amid the chaos in Washington last year and recordings that Jackson Reffitt made of his father on his cell phone when he returned home a few days later. This kid then... Oh yeah, get out of here, dude. Get out of here. Go. T- take this, take this, take this. Yeah, okay. Take my phone and get out of here. And then... Uh, you, you know my password. Don't say it out. Don't say it out loud. The internet's listening. Get out of here. Um... He recorded his father after the fact. There has to be a family history here. To me, there's no question about it. But like I said to someone who accused me of defending Guy Reffitt, the January 6th trials are not uh, you know, a, a, an alternative to family court. Uh, where was I? Where was I? The, 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 this is, you know, it... Oh, we just got demonetized. Doesn't matter. I guess we... Uh... Guy Reffitt. Maybe maybe YouTube is sensitive to children ratting out their parents. Maybe YouTube just just had had a strike of good conscience. This has to be. There's more to the family story here. I have no doubt the relationship between the father and the son. But the January six trials are not an alternative to family court. If there are family issues, it's not the place where you take out family grievances. Um. To build their case. Oh yeah, sorry. The video that Refford captured himself amid the chaos, yada, yada, yada. Um, and recordings that Jackson Refford made of his father on a cell phone when he returned. He recorded his father after the fact and then sent it to the FBI. I felt pretty gross and I felt pretty uncomfortable for even thinking about doing something like this. But I knew that it would help immensely. Hmm. Help what exactly? Jackson testified Thursday about his decision to record his father last year. Better safe than sorry. I have a feeling this will help immensely with something uh that it's related to january 6th i'm going to take a guess and say probably not he said the decision to turn his father in to authorities and share evidence against him was difficult but but was what he called but was what he called with some emotion the best case scenario one recording presented guy reffin on the evening he returned from the trip narrating to his family video footage of the crowd Your father was there when an epic historical thing happened in this country. He had come back, had committed no act of violence, had not used the firearm that he brought with him, didn't do anything more than, you know, the protest and storm and, and, I don't know, said try to prevent the tallying of the votes. He did not use the firearm that he had, and he did not commit any violence, but somehow the kid had convinced himself that, you know, um, he had to record this because... It was the best case scenario, like his father was going to go back and do something worse when he was already there and didn't do anything all that bad, although potentially and arguably something that still deserves some form of punishment. Of his actions that day, Reffitt said, I didn't make it in, but I started the fire. I didn't make it in, didn't assault anybody, didn't commit any act of violence, but I started the fire. 
And, and the government doesn't chalk this up to illusions of grandeur. They chalk this up to admissions of actual arson. Hashtag not actual arson. Um, let's just hear some more stuff of what he said. We're taking the Capitol before this day is over. He bragged when he got home that night when the Capitol was not taken over, when after four hours they were back to certifying the electoral votes. Yeah, that's what he said during the day of and then came back to his house when nothing of what he said was going to happen had happened. They had certified it four hours later, six hours later. But yeah, reference it. Ripping them out by their hair, every effing one of them. Pelosi's coming out on her effing ears, dragging the bee out hardcore, he added soon after. About how's those guys, yeah. none of it happened. Didn't commit, he didn't commit any act of violence, but he certainly has a yeah, colorful, colorful vocabulary of what he thinks he did that day. During other bits of footage, Refit said many people in the crowd were armed that day. Everyone's came in hot, he said. If it's one effing law I'm breaking, I'm okay with that. If it's one effing law I'm breaking, I'm okay with that. The son ratted him out because after he came home, after effectively having done uh, nothing violent but a bunch of stupid things, the kid thought he had to do it. Nobody was moving forward until I climbed that banister, Refford said in the Zoom meeting. I couldn't even see, but I kept screaming, take the house! And nothing happened. He went home. They certified the vote. He didn't commit any violence. He had a firearm. And I think but for. Prosecutor said Refit waved on the crowd to surge past him and enter the building. Refit's lawyer said as soon as he was pepper sprayed, that was the end of it. Family torn apart by political rift, Refit told children. Traitors get shot. Oh, that's right. He threatened his kids. Let's just see where he said that. Jackson said his father grew distant about six years ago. Oh, oh, actually, I haven't read this one. And now I feel vindicated. Jackson Reffitt said he moved out of the family's home in early 2021 and feels sad about how little they communicate now. Jackson said his father grew distant about six years ago, and the gap between them grew as their political opinions diverged. No, I think I did read this before. Jackson spoke out online and attended protests in support of Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ rights. What are the chances there's not something of that issue with this kid and his dad? What are the chances? Guy, meanwhile, wore a T-shirt that bore the insignia of Three Percenters, a right-wing militia group. Oy. Yeah, there's undoubtedly, undoubtedly more to that story. Uh, and uh, the kid, I mean, the kid admits as much, but may, may, he, may he live long enough to appreciate that he just sent his father to prison for seven and a half years. Uh, I'll say, you know, the dad could have used two months in jail. I mean, a reasonable punishment for what he was found guilty of. I don't know what the sentencing guidelines are, if there was a minimum sentence. Um, <clears throat> you know, what one could have understood a few months in jail, community service, and maybe a fine, maybe a penalty, maybe a, a fine. Seven and a half years in jail. This kid has destroyed his family. It was probably destroyed before. I, I Now I'm thinking maybe there was some fatherly disapproval of a son's life choices. I'm, I'm, I've, I'm not projecting, by the way, because I, short of like criminality or drugs, I mean, like, my kids will be welcome to do whatever they want to do with their lives without any judgment from me. Uh, I, if I think it's a bad idea, I might try to talk them out of it. But, you know, I, I think there might be some fatherly disapproval 
of Sun's actions here, certainly political divergence. Um, and the kid recorded his father and then ratted him out to the FBI. And now the father's going to jail for seven and a half years. It's, it's, it's just filth. Kid doesn't care. Amy Winehouse documentary, people. Life can teach you a lot of things if you live long enough. This kid is going to live long enough to regret what he did. I, that, that's that's my projection. If I if I I would not, kid will live long enough and 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 realize how atrocious what he did was. This is this is not a case of a serial killer, you know, uh, Walter White, crystal meth producing dealing situation. The father. Talked a big game, went down, talked a lot of smack when he was down there, didn't commit any violence, got pepper sprayed, went home. And when he gets home, after having had that experience, bragging, boasting about it to his family, the, the damage by the time he got home was already done. And the damage was not that serious as to what this individual did himself. And the kid recorded it and used it. And it was evidence that was used to sentence his father to find him guilty and to sentence him for seven and a half years. Maybe he'll get a reward. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to get a pat on the back from his community, from his political community. All right. We're green lighted again. Let's just see what happens after. <laughs> Let's see what happens after we talk about Alex Jones, because that's where we're going now. The two tier system of justice people. Uh, let, let me bring up what, uh, was cheating was tweet. what what was cheat tweeted yesterday this is we're going back and we're going back in the thread here and you know it's it's fun watching debates online this is not so much of a debate it's just a response to a tweet if someone got it more right than wrong Cernovich got it more right than wrong if someone got it more wrong than right Nate Brody my friend and I like him and I respect him even if he gets things wrong and even if I get the better of him on Twitter Every exchange we have got it more wrong than right. And then at the end of the day, I got it right. <laughs> okay, I'm joking. Um, so this was in response to a tweet from Cernovich. Alex Jones is on trial now. They're entering week two of a trial on damages because Alex Jones was found guilty by default verdict. Didn't go to trial. No jury verdict. The judge said... You did not adequately comply with the discovery process, which leads me to conclude in law that you do not have a meritorious claim on your defense. Therefore, I'm just granting victory by default after foreclosing you from pleading, from defending in this case, because I've said you did not comply enough with discovery requests, indicating to me that you think you have no legitimate defense to this claim. So I'm just going to save you the constitutional burden, the constitutional right that you have to a defense. Sertovich writes, Judge and Alex Jones keeps lying by saying he didn't provide discovery. Jones, uh, sorry, Judge in one case demanded Jones turn over Google Analytics data. Google banned him, no way to access it. Judge pretended he could and then said not turning it over violated a court order. I don't, th I don't know what part of this is wrong because this is my understanding of it as well. Alex Jones, even a court, so... Alex Jones was, or he did not refuse to participate in the discovery process. Again, by the way, don't, don't confuse defending a principal with defending Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones said some bad things, some factually incorrect things, and in a, a rational realm of the universe, 
could in theory be ordered to pay justifiable damages, whatever that might be, for those statements, if any. Not 75 million punitive or intentional infliction of emotional distress. Not 75 million reasonable, justifiable damages that are commensurate with standards for IIED, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and defamation. I don't know what's wrong with what Cernovich said here, and I'm not sure that anything is wrong with it. Because when the judge says, uh, when the judge leads the public to believe that Jones did not comply with discovery, by the evidence in court, Jones was deposed five times, communicated hundreds of thousands, if not millions of emails, some of which had never been opened, turned over pretty much everything, was faulted for not providing specific answers to specific questions, which arguably could never be provided, given the fact that Jones was and had been at the time deplatformed and had his videos removed from all of social media so that he couldn't access YouTube. He couldn't access Google to find out how many videos he put out on Sandy Hook, for example. Maybe he has them on the back end. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Sometimes when you go live, you don't necessarily keep the back end stuff. Uh, my stuff is on Rumble as well, which will never get taken down in theory. So Cernovich here is more right than wrong. And I don't know what element of this is wrong, period. This was the basis for putting Jones in default and foreclosing him from defending, thus resulting in a judgment, a verdict for defamation and intentional infliction of emotional distress. And we're going to get to what the judge said today because it's, it's over the top. Nate, who I think has the wrong... Uh, the wrong, I don't think he has a sufficient understanding of the nature of the default and the case as a whole. Cernovich has been following it for longer. I think I've been following it for longer or in more detail. I, I, I think, I think I have a, a sufficient understanding of this to understand the injustice that most people don't know or don't understand or don't appreciate because all that they hear, Jones defaulted on discovery. You don't get to decide how much discovery you provide. And so he didn't do it. Therefore you're foreclosed from pleading. Even in law, even if assuming that's true, you don't get foreclosed from pleading for not complying with discovery. Maybe civil contempt, maybe a penalty, maybe negative inferences from documentation that is not provided, maybe foreclosed from pleading. I've only had that in my experience as a lawyer, 13 plus years, by the way, once it occurred in America and in Canada, they said, we're not homologating that judgment to the best of my recollection. I hope I'm not misremembering this. We're not homologating that judgment because that's an injustice. You don't get you don't get foreclosed from pleading and have a hundred plus million dollar judgment rendered by default. And then you take that insane judgment over to Canada and expect the courts of Canada to homologate a several hundred million dollar judgment by default for failure to plead because the judge precluded the defendant from defending in a court. So even, even if, even if Alex Jones did not turn over documentation that he did in fact have, Civil contempt, penalty, and negative inferences typically are the punishments. Not being foreclosed from pleading, not a verdict by default, because the judge says, I conclude from this that you don't think you have a meritorious claim on the defense. Jamil, I know you're, um, I know, oh yeah, I saw the fish. Speaking of two-tiered, catch what happened in Pelosi's husband's trial, changing of the judge the night before. No, but I'm going to look into it and talk about it Sunday night with Barnsey. So, so with that said, I think Nate is wrong. He's entitled to be wrong. Doesn't matter. 
Nate says, this post is blatant misinformation for the purposes of making Alex Jones seem innocent. No, it's not. Because at no point in there did Cernovich say that Jones was innocent. What he simply said is that it is false to assert that Jones did not comply with discovery requests. The discovery request was for, quote, how many videos Alex and company released concerning Sandy Hook? That's the one in the clip you have here, but not necessarily the one that we're talking about in another case. They refused to turn over the information. Do not trust me. Here is the judge saying it. Let's listen to this. I am very upset. I'm very upset. I have tried to imply to the jury that we know how many videos about Sandy Hook were released by your clients when we don't because they refused to respond to discovery. So I do not want you to do that again. And By the way, I don't know why law and crime gets to share some clips, but they only get to share certain clips, like when the lawyer is getting berated by the judge. Listen, listen to what she said, by the way. About Sandy Hook were released to the jury that we know that we, how he's many angry. videos that we know how many Sandy videos Hook were released by your clients when we don't. They don't know how many videos were released by, by AJ and company. They don't know how many, except they have a list of videos. They have thousands of hours of videos. They have their own videos that of Alex Jones talking about Sandy Hook. But here, just, we don't know how many. We know how many videos about Sandy Hook were released by your clients. Performative. When we don't, because they refused to respond to discovery. It's almost like she knows that she's being recorded for a documentary and she's performing. Um her best role yet. So I do not want you to do that again. And and I don't want you to argue with me about it. I don't want you to argue with me about that it. That is the rule of this case. That is the rule of this case. She has said, it's a rule of this case. You cannot contradict the fact that you are in default. You cannot assert that you have complied with discovery. You cannot assert that you apologized. You cannot assert that uh, you did not intentionally cause emotional distress because she found him guilty by default verdict of that. So it's a rule now. It's the rule that she made up because of what she found based on her own assessment of Alex Jones's failure to comply with discovery. And by the way, she attenuated this statement. She attenuated this categorical somewhat today. I can't play the video because I'm not allowed because I'm not law and crime, but I transcribed, I took notes. Well, that is that's it. They that's didn't it. respond. That's we it. don't know. They didn't respond. So they don't, don't know. They didn't respond. We don't know to how many videos they released. But they turned over their emails. They turned over unread and read messages. They turned over text messages. They turned over videos. But they didn't respond. How many? We don't know how many. So denied a defense. Let that sink into anybody who's thinking that it's justifiable that Alex Jones was denied the right to defend because this judge said he didn't confirm how many videos he produced or put out on Sandy Hook because YouTube took him down and deleted the videos because he no longer had access to Google Analytics, Google data. Couch it in that language. I'm still talking. I'm still talking. Petty tyrants with power. I'm not really being asked to do anything except tell you to follow the rules. Which... I'm not really being asked to do anything except today they're asking for sanctions and they're going to make a motion for sanctions against Alex Jones and counsel. And the judge is going to go for it. 
I feel like I've done many times already. We've had multiple conversations about how I know you know what the rules are and you know you know what the rules are. So it's almost like she's performing. It's almost like when she asked uh, the, the Karpova, do you think this is a, uh, a staged event? What does she say? Not a staged event. Ah. But you've chosen not to follow them on occasion. And I'm asking you again, follow the rules. We are not going to take up sanctions in the middle of this trial. So if somebody wants to file a motion for sanctions, we'll take it up. Oh, but, but that's the judge. That's the judge inviting the plaintiff's attorney to make a motion for sanctions. If somebody wants to make a motion, who exactly other than plaintiff's counsel would might want to make a motion for sanctions? That is the judge from the bench telling the plaintiff's counsel, make a motion for sanctions. Do it. Somebody wants to file if a motion somebody. for sanctions, we'll take it up at the conclusion of the We'll take it up after. But hold on, hold on. I, I just have to, I have to play it one more time. Very upset that you Very have upset. tried to imply okay, to the jury the exact wording that in my we head. know how many videos about Sandy Hook were released by your clients. When we don't, we don't. they refused to respond to discovery. They so refused to respond to discovery. That's what she said. They refused to respond to discovery. That's, that's a lie. That's a lie. So when we're going back to Cernovich's tweet, Cernovich's tweet, that's a lie. They didn't refuse to respond to discovery. The allegation is that they did not fully comply with discovery, that they provided some information. They sat down for five depositions, six depositions. I don't know how many. They provided hundreds of thousands, if not millions of emails, both read and unread from junk mail, from inboxes, text messages, videos. They did that but they didn't confirm how many videos on Sandy Hook. So she said they didn't comply with discovery, which is not true. It's just not true. And I said, it, I mean, it's funny. I was going to tweet that yesterday, um, but I didn't want to get into the fight just then. It's not true. And by the way, today she walked it back. It's not, it's not, it's not an accident that she walked it back today because you know, the thing is, when cameras are rolling and you're performing for the camera, it's a double-edged sword because they capture what you say. And when you say, when the judge comes out and says they refused to provide discovery, that's not true. It's demonstrably not true. And she had to walk it back today. But by the way, you can't question that in front of the judge. Let me just go back to my notes. I'm just going to take that. You can't question that because the judge has, the judge has, uh, she's, uh, what, what, hold on. Someone just said something. She's talking about the plaintiff. Um, okay, no, someone said she was talking about the plaintiff. She was talking about Alex Jones. They did not, because they did not comply with discovery, false. And what did she say today? Let me just get to the notes I was taking on this. Okay, that's, here we go. Alex Jones, I'll get to the, I'll, I'll, I'll describe the testimony in a bit, but I took... Um, where was it? I took, oh God. Did I not take it down in real time as she said it? Basically what she said today is, uh, 
Oh, no. Oh, cripe. Now I'm going to forget what she said if I didn't take it down as a note. She basically uh, attenuated it today and said, yeah, you didn't provide certain answers. You did not fully comply with discovery is what she said today. It's it's over the top. Today, as, all that I saw of the trial was um, uh, Ms. Lewis, the mother of uh, one of the victims of the shooting, testifying. Uh you know, I, I I cannot begin to imagine how any parent ever gets over that type of trial. I can't. It's it's when you're a parent, you can only imagine that horror. But it's unfathomable as to how anybody heals from that. And and they and you know, I will share. Well, no, not today. Um, I a parent who loses a kid, it's it's life-altering and breaks you. And, you know, in some cases, it breaks you to the point of irreparable brokenness. And in other cases, you manage to live, you manage to survive. And when you have another kid, as Ms. Lewis does, you you have something to survive for. How anyone gets over that grief, how they put it, that 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 grief to good use, Ms. Lewis is doing it. She's got uh, uh, something called, um, she started a foundation, wants to reach out to kids, so that nobody ever finds themselves in that in in the position of the actual shooter of this case. Don't need to mention his name. Uh, and helping kids, and it's 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 laudable. Uh, it's laudable, but the and you know and her testimony is is what it is. Uh, uh, her kid was killed by a madman with a gun. Now, she wants. I don't know. Uh, she wants healing for the trauma that she's gone through. The question is, how much of the trauma is induced by the events versus induced by Alex Jones? We've been we've been yellow lighted again. So it's, it's 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 bouncing back and forth in the algorithm. I don't care about that anyhow. Uh, how much of it is from Al- the incident itself, and how much of it is from Alex Jones? So setting aside the the horror, the trauma. Setting aside that Ms. Lewis seems to be a, a very strong woman who has made something of a positive purpose out of this immeasurable tragedy. In cross-examination, she was asked, did she even see these pictures? Did she even hear these episodes at the time? Did she, did she see them herself? Did she watch Alex Jones? And the answers to those questions were no. And so you know, it becomes a question in law, despite... How, what people might think about the distastefulness of questioning, of of allowing people to express theories, which might which might be hurtful to the people who have suffered. In cross examination, you know, above and beyond everything, she she didn't hear it in real time. She didn't listen to Alex Jones's episodes. Uh, she was made aware of it by other people. And so the question is, you know, of the trauma that Ms. Lewis has suffered in her life, what percentage can properly and reasonably be attributed to anything Alex Jones said, setting aside the disputing whether or not Alex Jones said it was a hoax in that it never happened, whether or not he said it was a hoax in a in that it was a false flag, uh, uh, you know, an, an event that was that in fact happened because he acknowledged it many times, but was allowed to happen, whether or not it happened, but was uh, was was a total unplanned, unprovoked uh, assault 
but was subsequently weaponized by the media, by politicians. Setting all that aside, what percentage of the trauma that Ms. Lewis suffered in her life is attributable to Alex Jones and not the event itself? When she didn't hear the statements Alex Jones made, this came out in Cross directly. They occurred years later after she had written a book talking about her path to healing. I do appreciate that some things people said would reopen wounds. I also would appreciate that when people make outlandish claims, you don't, you know, for the trauma and the overcoming of adversity that Ms. Lewis has gone through in her life, if people want to say outrageous things, you know, that might, that might pale and probably does pale in comparison to the trauma itself, although it might rehash some of those emotions. So she testified. She seems like an amazingly strong individual who survived with lifelong damage, but nonetheless will live for her kid and will live for a, a purpose that she has found in life. That being said, in her testimony, we're on, we're, on a, we're on a trial for damages now. She is confirming in cross that she didn't hear the statements at the time. She didn't listen to Alex Jones and it was hurtful, but she said things which I thought were, you know, if, if I'm on a jury, if I'm opposing counsel, uh, my ears are perking up because they're they're telling. She was asked by her lawyer, what do you hope to accomplish with this lawsuit against Alex Jones? And she said, I hope to accomplish an era of truth. That's what she said in response to the question of what she hoped to accomplish. I hope to accomplish an era of truth. And that that is, um, you know, that is part and parcel of what, part and parcel of the risk that people are are uh, raising with this trial. This trial, and this is her own statement. This is her own words. I'm paraphrasing if I got it wrong roughly, but that's what she said. I hope to accomplish an era of truth. When Alex Jones and other people out there are saying, this is not a question of defending stupid, factually incorrect statements Alex Jones made. This is about defending against this process, which is now being weaponized by an over-the-top bias judge, over the top, for political purposes, to silence what people deem to be misinformation, uh, questioning official narratives, discussion of uh, alternative hypotheses, however offensive to some that they may be. You had someone from the jury framing a question. Um, is this lawsuit an appropriate way of going after election deniers? From the mouth of the plaintiff herself, this is about, uh, I hope to accomplish an era of truth. As in, I hope to shut people up who contradict what we're being told is the truth for the election. Uh, to contradict what we are told is the truth for the Rona, for the Fauci juice. Hey, it's We're not far off of this slippery slope from saying, if you say you don't believe the narrative for JFK assassination, the family can sue you for intentional infliction of emotional distress for daring to contradict the official narrative. We're not far off of, of, of a world where you say, I don't believe that, Al, that uh, I don't believe that uh, Elvis is dead. And totally different incidents leading up, but hey, you're, you're denying something happened and the family's going to say, I find this inflicts emotional distress. You can't even talk about it from her mouth. And this is what Alex Jones is, is suggesting that this trial is about. And this is what other people hate Alex Jones as much as you want Alex Berenson. I'm looking at you. 
It is about accomplishing an era of truth. And that means there's no COVID discussion wrong thing, Berenson. You're next in line for massive lawsuits, for people who say you are causing them emotional distress through the theories that you are floating on the social media. Oh, why did the judge want to look? No, then someone came in chewing gum and the judge berated them for chewing gum. What's in your mouth? I mean, it's so over the top. What's in your mouth? I, I, people are going to think I'm crazy for being a stickler for the rules. There's no chewing gum in this court. So that was that was what uh, that was Lewis's testimony. You know, you know, it 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 should raise flags, and it it seems to confirm the essence that this this lawsuit might be about some intentional infliction of emotional distress, but it might be weaponizing the judicial process to set a precedent to silencing any form of what is deemed to be dissident speak that contradicts official narratives and in doing so causes people emotional distress. Then Alex Jones came up on stage, man. I'll tell you what, it's, um, Jones came up, was explaining that he's got a torn larynx, which I didn't know, by the way. It would explain why his voice is the way it is, I think. He's got a torn larynx. He was coughing. I think he was the one coughing a lot in the courtroom as well. Uh, coughing and said, it's not, it's not a cold. It's, I have a torn larynx, drinking water, talking about his torn larynx, which I think might be the medical reason for which he was not going to attend the trial in its entirety. Um, Alex Jones started off by saying, first of all, I just want to, I'm not making fun of his voice to make fun of his voice. It's just, it has to be done. I just want to start off by saying, I'm, I'm sorry to the, you know, I never meant to inflict any emotional distress. The judge cuts him off. Non objection, non-responsive, sustained. Mr. Jones, I have to remind you, this is not a conversation. We're not having a conversation here. Answer the questions and only the questions. This is not your show. You don't get to say whatever you want here. Answer the questions. Non-responsive. When all that he started off doing was trying to explain the apology. And by the way, it becomes clear why he can't talk about the apology later on. And it gets worse. At one point, Jones mentions that Infowars is bankrupt. I think he meant it, uh, what's the word? Not colloquially, informally, in that Infowars or free speech systems, I forget which one, or both, file for bankruptcy protection. Reorganization last Friday. Apparently the judge says she doesn't know this. She heard it outside the court, but doesn't. Jones said Infowars has filed for bankruptcy. Uh, free speech systems, one or the other or both. I forget how it works. Structurally, doesn't matter. Outcomes are the same. The company has filed for bankruptcy, restructuring bankruptcy protection. Jones says the company's bankrupt. Okay. There's a, an objection or a sidebar. They kick the jury out of the room. The judge says, go. I'm not sure that you're going to come back today. Uh, we need to discuss this. Jones apparently is not allowed mentioning that the company's bankrupt. The judge said, you may not tell this jury that you complied with discovery. That is not true. You cannot tell the jury that you are bankrupt. You may have filed for bankruptcy, but that doesn't mean you're bankrupt. You need to tell the truth. This is not your show. That's what the judge said. So the judge says, you're not allowed telling them about the bankruptcy. You're not allowed telling them that you complied with discovery. You were given rules. You were told that you're not allowed doing this. And did your lawyer not explain to you the rule? Did your lawyer not explain to you? What, what were the instructions your, your lawyer gave to you? The judge asked Alex Jones when the jury was not in the room, what instructions did your lawyer give to you? 
as relates to your testimony, as if solicitor-client privilege doesn't exist. What instructions did your lawyer give to you? Why would the judge ask that, by the way? Why would the judge violate the most fundamental principle of constitutional rights? I think I'm fairly certain it is a constitutional right, uh, solicitor-client privilege. If it's not constitutional, pretty sure it's constitutional. Solicitor-client privilege. Mr. Jones, tell me what legal advice your lawyer gave you. This is coming from the judge. The one who, as we just saw from that clip yesterday, said, if someone wants to file a motion for sanctions, I'll hear it after this trial. Now she is asking Jones to provide evidence to the plaintiff's counsel in the court as to what instructions he did or did not receive from his counsel. Because it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't, regardless of the answer. Based on the answer, plaintiff's counsel either gets to file a motion for sanctions against Jones or against Jones and his attorney. Because either Alex Jones got proper instructions from his attorney and defied them. And he sanctions against Jones. Judge invited plaintiff's counsel to do it yesterday. Or Jones confirms that he didn't get specific instructions about the rule from his attorneys. Sanctions against both of them now. Because the lawyer did not advise uh, Alex Jones properly based on the court ruling. This is the judge asking Jones to confirm. Sorry, I didn't realize this was still up. To, con- to, to specify what legal advice, what instructions he got from his attorney. Oh, I see the sex bots have taken over the chat. Sorry, people. Um, it's over the top. And then she goes on to say, you may not tell this jury that you complied with discovery. You That is not true. No. He didn't comply entirely. He didn't come. You may not tell. It's not true. It's a fact. It is a foregone fact that despite your five depositions, the millions of emails, hundreds of thousands to millions of emails that you communicated, that you turned over, unopened, including unopened emails, videos. It's an indisputable fact. It's a rule. You did not comply with discovery. You cannot tell the jury that you complied with discovery. And if you do tell the jury that you complied with discovery, you could be held uh, for sanctions, which I'm sure he's going to be now. You cannot tell the jury that you are bankrupt. Oh, I'm sorry. He can't tell the jury that the company cannot meet its its financial obligations as they become due, the definition of bankruptcy. You cannot tell them that. You may have filed for bankruptcy protection, but you're poisoning the jury by telling them that InfoWars... has no, how does that poison the jury? The plaintiff's lawyer said he's poisoning the jury by telling them that Infowars and uh, free speech systems are bankrupt. How, how does that? How does that poison the jury? In fact, as, as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, if I know the company's bankrupt, I'm more inclined to give them a seventy-five million dollar judgment. Good luck paying it. You cannot tell the jury that you fi- that you're bankrupt. You may have filed for bankruptcy, but that does not mean bankrupt. You need to tell the truth. This is not your show, says the judge who is quite clearly and shamelessly putting on a show for the cameras that she knows is in the courtroom. You believe everything you say is true, but it isn't. That sounds like a defense in law, by the way, judge. The the judge actually said this, not verbatim, paraphrasing. You believe everything you say is true, but it isn't. Well, if he believed what he said was true, that sort of plays against an intentional infliction of emotional distress, Madam Judge. Thank you for making his defense very loud and clear Inadvertently, of course, for the cameras. You believe everything you say is true. That sort of puts a damper on intentional infliction of emotional distress. It sort of puts the damper on defamation, specifically as relates to a public figure, which 
in cross, they, they, they sort of did a good job proving that Ms. Lewis was doing the rounds, writing a book, giving interviews, being politically active. If Alex Jones believed what he said was true when he said it, even if it wasn't, certainly not intentional infliction of emotional distress, or at the very least, a decent argument against it, and certainly not malicious, uh, actual malice in terms of statements, uh, if he believed it, made with regards to a public figure. What else did we have today? I might have been it. Oh, you may not elicit testimony that would lead Jones to test. This is what the judge said, paraphrasing. You may not elicit testimony that would lead Jones to testify that he did not defame plaintiffs or intentionally inflict emotional distress. She said this to the counsel. You may not do it. Now, by the way, in law, a lawyer cannot elicit testimony that he or she knows to be untruthful. You can't. Can't You cannot elicit a witness to lie. In this case, she's already found. It's a verdict. It's a rule. He did it. He intentionally defamed. He intentionally caused emotional distress. It's a rule. It's a fact. It's a juridical fact. So the, the judge is telling the lawyer, you can't do anything that would elicit testimony from Jones to the effect that he did not intentionally do it. Can't. What's left? This is this is this is Bannon level, Bannon level uh, kangaroo court on steroids. Th this is the judge, by the way. She's saying this in front of the cameras, not in front of the jury, though. I I'm thinking, you know, the, the publicizing of this trial is going to. Um, be interesting. Let me do some. Oh, geez. Let me do some super chats before we wind this up here for the day. That, that's it. So that's the latest. We'll see what happens tomorrow. By the way, sanctions are coming. A motion for sanctions is coming. The judge invited it. The judge solicited some of the evidence that I'm sure plaintiff's counsel is going to use for it today. The judge herself, judge, jury, and prosecutor all in one. It's coming. A motion for sanctions is going to come against Jones and counsel because counsel, he knows what he was doing. You know the rules. I know that you know that you know the rules. I know that you know that you know that I know that you know. You know the rules. You've elicited testimony. You invited Alex to mention his bankruptcy. You invited Alex to break the rule. Uh, and now I've just asked Alex to confirm that you, in fact, did or did not give him proper instructions for testimony. So that's either going to add fuel to the Jones sanctions or add fodder to the Jones and counsel motion for sanctions. Over the top. Fun fact, if you are adopted through CPS in Texas, the state will pay your tuition to any state-funded university. Very interesting. I, we're, we're not looking to adopt, but that is interesting. I guess that is an incentive. That's an incentive for parents to adopt. That's not bad. Not sure if you're aware, but this is the same kid that has raised nearly 200000 on GoFundMe over this. His latest post on it today is disgusting. I did know that he raised a fair bit of money. It wasn't two hundred k the last time I checked. That's back to Guy Reffitt's son who turned in his dad and is making bank off of it. Speaking of two-tiered, uh, we got that one. Uh, wonder if the judge is Soros paid. She is elected. I believe she's elected. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'll, I'll double check that. I am Texas attorney, 29 years, and read the Connecticut. Uh, that's court records. Default is 100% remedy in Texas. It was appealed and upheld. It was refusal to give financial data. It was admitted. Don't mess with Texas. Well, appealed... By uh, okay, that's let me screen grab this. Trust but verify, Rubia. Thank you very much. Um, appealed by which court was it? The Travis Division Court of Appeal, because my understanding is that 
That might be more judges uh, along the lines of the existing judge. Uh, refusal to give financial data. Okay, why, why I'm skeptical about this is because today Jones was talking about uh, gross income, net income. So I, I'd, I'd be curious. I'm going to look into it. Rubia, thank you very much. Can't the Texas Attorney General step in and stop this injustice? I don't know. I'll, I'll ask Robert on Sunday. Love you, Viva. This driving my blood pressure through the roof. Yep. None of your business, Your Honor. That, that would have been my response. Oh, non-responsive. Non-responsive. I am the judge. She said, I am the only one that... Oh, and then she says, I'm not done with Alex multiple times. Let's see if we're green again. Let's see if we're green again. The, the words are bouncing around in the algorithm. Yeah, we're, it's, it's green lighted again. I think people can tell based on whether or not when they come back in, if you see an ad running. So that is the latest. I don't have my phone to see what's going on on the rumbles. Let me just see if I can do it here. Kids probably draining my battery. On, uh, oh, oh, no, I can't see any old rumble rants. So people, I can't see it on rumble. Sidebar tomorrow night, I've forgotten with whom. But we have a sidebar tomorrow night. I'll be listening to the trial in as much as possible. We've got some interesting sights to see tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all, as always, for being here. Sorry for the sporadic schedule. I'll get back more on schedule when the kids are in school. And for those who don't know, in Florida, school starts early. <laughs> so we'll get back on a normal schedule sooner than later. But, um, hey, done is better than perfect. And sporadic schedule is better than none. What else? Oh, yeah. Uh, drop some comments. Make the chat go crazy. Let me see what we got here. A lawyer being delighted by a kangaroo court is disheartening. Cyclect. Okay, that probably is not a conversation for me. Uh, thank you, Viva. My pleasure, as always. I mean, listening to this, my kids and my wife are getting a crash course in law as well. It's um, move to Texas. Texas is too far away from Quebec. Flo People, there's more Quebecers in Florida than there are sometimes in Quebec. So that's a joke, but no, there's Florida is closer to Quebec. So I still have family there. Viva, Big Pete, where can I send you a video? Oh, okay. Don't, Big Pete. I, I'll check my DMs, but don't be angry or miffed if I don't get back. I get a lot of emails. I'm not an investigative journalist. I cannot vet stuff that I get. And so unless I can do it, you know, very superficially, I don't, I don't report breaking news. But I would say send it to the other journalists who do Posobic and others. Kicks on the way from Murph's Kicks. Awesome. Thank you very much. You have to listen to her to appreciate how over the top it is. I don't care. Nobody can listen to that and not have a, a, a visceral emotional reaction. The only thing is if you hate Jones and you, and you want him to get it, you'll love it. But that should be an indication to you as to how wrong it actually is. Viva, please tell us Senate to vote no for Sweden. To, please tell USA Senate to vote no for Sweden to join NATO. I'll have to see what's going on in Canada. They seem hell-bent on doing everything to antagonize Russia, everything to antagonize China. And so no one misunderstands or misapprehends my tweets. Standing with Taiwan is the right thing to do, and it was the right thing to do from the beginning. But when you have demoralized your own military, arguably uh, depleted some of your weaponry, by shipping it to a foreign conflict. Uh, when you have empowered China politically at every step of the, of the way, 
to randomly now say, I'm going to publicly say we're standing with Taiwan and I'm going to perform what is arguably a tardy and potentially pointless act of provocation. It's a little too late because you've screwed up, uh, you know, the foundation that you needed if you were going to take that hard line that you ought to have taken from the beginning. I analogize it to letting a dog run wild with poor behavior, you know, for years, letting that letting that behavior set in. You don't just randomly go up and start disciplining that dog because that's how you get bitten. It requires steady, a steady approach and consistent behavior, not, you know, worrying about uniforms and hair pattern in hair style in the U.S. Army, worrying about pronouns in your bios, worrying about the FBI uh, creating an inclusive work environment, demoralizing the military, depleting their arsenal by shipping, you know, whether or not it's old stuff or usable stuff off to Ukraine, uh, empowering China, and then saying now is when we put our foot down. That's how you get your toes stepped on. Okay, people, I'm going out for dinner now. And I think we might be going to a red lobster. The kid has been saying, I want lobster. He he wants to see a lobster. I'm going to see what his reaction is when he sees a cooked lobster. (laughs) We'll see. Okay, people, thank you all. Snip, clip, share away. You know what to do. Thank you for the support. Thank you for being here. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow tomorrow night for certain. And there may be some Viva Family uh, videos coming on Viva Family. And people, Viva Clips. All of the short snippet and clippets go to Viva Clips. So check it out there. Be sure to subscribe. If we ever hit 100,000 on Viva Clips, it'll be awesome. Okay, go. Enjoy the night. See you tomorrow.